We all know that while American healthcare is disorganized, expensive, and often unfair, its silver lining is the cadre of dedicated healthcare professionals, from scribes to nurses to physicians to technicians of all sorts, who do their best to deliver patient care on a daily basis. The COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic has laid bare the good, the bad, and the ugly of this system, or as I like to call it, non-system. Yet right now, at this moment, we know that a wave of coronavirus cases are on their way to Ohio's hospitals, which are prepping the best they can with the resources and the workforce they have to deal with whatever comes. This is Prognosis Ohio, WCBE's healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Ohio University health policy professor, Dan Skinner. Hey folks, and I hope you're hanging in there. Whether you're staying at home or are considered an essential worker who's being forced out into the world on a daily basis to work in healthcare, food, infrastructure, or otherwise. While Ohio awaits the flood of cases we know are building in our state, most of us are doing what we can, staying out of the way and trying to stop the spread that could overwhelm Ohio's healthcare institutions, putting patients and providers alike at risk. The good news is the prospect of a peak in cases keeps getting pushed out further and further, which allows our healthcare professionals to better prepare. The bad news, the unavoidable news, is that this is still coming, and it's still going to be worse than any of us wants to admit. While I've been very conscious of the fact that healthcare professionals are busy, I also think it's important that we hear from them when we can, to remain aware of the challenges they face, their stories, and their perspectives. We've heard some really gripping accounts from clinicians out of New York and other states. I think it's important to hear what they have to say because it's a reminder of why we are staying at home, why we're social distancing, and why we're beginning to wear masks or do whatever else we can. In today's interview, I talk with an emergency medicine physician from Chillicothe who's been actively encouraging Ohioans to stay at home and practice social distancing. While we listen to his message, punctuated by occasional coughs from the apparent COVID case that's currently keeping him home and off the floor, I also took the opportunity to ask him what he thinks students in the health professions should be paying attention to right now and what he wants to learn from this moment. As always, before turning to my conversation with today's guest, I'd like to remind you to please subscribe to Prognosis Ohio wherever you get your podcasts, and please consider following us on Twitter at, at @prognosisohio, where we continue to tweet out up-to-date announcements from the state and other official entities about the coronavirus situation. Also, for whatever reason you may have to give us feedback or just to say hi, please don't hesitate to email us at prognosisohio at gmail.com. All right, now to our interview. Dr. Samuel Nobolucci is a second-year emergency medicine resident at the Adena Regional Medical Center in Chillicothe, Ohio. Prior to beginning his current position, Dr. Nobolucci attended medical school at Ohio University's Heritage College of Osteopathic Medicine from 2014 to 2018, where, I should mention, and you probably know, I'm a faculty member. Prior to his training as a physician, he worked in healthcare administration and earned a master's degree in business. He also worked for several years as a paramedic. Dr. Novolucci's specific areas of interest include disaster and counterterrorism medicine. Okay, now to our conversation. Dr. Sam Novolucci, thanks so much for taking some time to talk with me. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. So I want to start in a very general way. Um, to full disclosure, you are a student of the program that I am a faculty member in at Ohio University, and I wish we'd been able to catch up under different circumstances, but here we are. I, I would like to just ask you, can you give us a snapshot of how things are going in Chillicothe? You know, how, how do you think your patients, your colleagues, and how are you doing? Sure, sure. So I think that first and foremost, 
we here in this country and and perhaps even in the region that we live in have been fortunate, if we can use that word, to really have some time to prepare for the oncoming storm, as it were. Um, We've seen this start in China and spread through Europe. Uh, Now some of our epicenters of the disease, New York City, for example, uh, we're seeing kind of the way that those numbers are exploding. And it gives us some time to kind of plan and prepare for the kind of numbers that we might be seeing based on um, the research that's being done currently into just the way that this disease kind of works and how it spreads. In a way, it's a, it's an amazing opportunity. I mean, it's a grim opportunity, but we saw what happened in China. We're seeing what happened in Italy. We saw South Korea, and now we're seeing New York. And one of the ways to look at this is that New York might be a couple of weeks ahead of us in terms of the curve that they're seeing with the, the onset of, of, of COVID. Yes, that is very true. And uh, of course, with different kind of demographic factors, people living in closer quarters, um, a place like New York that uses mass transit, um, we may see pockets throughout our nation spring up as as having higher rates of disease spread than other places. Um, but we don't know that for sure. So right now we're definitely in the the stage of planning that you kind of call the hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Right. Um, and so we're definitely looking at kind of best case and worst case scenarios, what kind of numbers we're estimating that could be, looking at our capacity to figure out how we can really um, beef up our resources, how we can increase our number of hospital beds, either on site or off site, and then also how how we can kind of reallocate resources and personnel throughout the health system who may not be working, um, say, in uh, elective surgeries or um, some of their outpatient clinics right now, where they might be able to kind of fill in the gaps to help. From an ER standpoint, we're definitely every day very aggressively going over our policies, our procedures, trying to look at what's been done in other areas of the country, other areas of the world, uh, what's worked and what hasn't worked and how we can really implement those things in our region, in our area um, to really be as efficient as we possibly can in those worst case scenarios. You're currently at home, right? You're kind of on a preventive quarantine, is my understanding, and there's the cough, right? Um, as we saw in Italy, and now we're seeing in New York, like the infection rate amongst healthcare professionals is skyrocketing, which is, it, it not only overwhelms the system, but it takes physicians, nurses, and other healthcare workers off the floor, which is exactly the opposite of what we need. You've been an active voice for staying at home and following Governor DeWine's order, can you talk us a little bit about why uh, staying at home is something that you have been so vocal about? Sure. Um, so I think to initially answer your question, the reason why, <coughs> excuse me, the reason why social distancing, or as we should probably uh, be more clear in saying physical distancing, mm-hmm. um, the reason why that is so important is that this virus doesn't have legs, right? So it's not able to get up and walk around and go house to house, door to door, spreading disease to everyone. Right. Where the virus goes depends on us. Exactly. Right? And uh, those who follow my social media, um, it's kind of been an onslaught recently of things I've been posting, but they 
they would see one of the posts that I uh, made just the other day mentions that I said kind of we are the we're the problem we're causing the problem the more that we are out interacting with others the more that this disease can spread the right. less that we have physical contact with others the less that this disease can spread so it's just as simple as that that physical distancing is going to be the way to truly flatten this curve and really defeat this illness. Because once a virus has run its course in an individual, if we can bring that R0 down to less than one, where the infectivity, one person isn't spreading it to two, three, four other people, the virus eventually dies out and stops spreading. And so that's why I've been very vocal about people staying at home, maintaining six to even 10 feet of separation between the closest person, um, yeah. and then really trying to be vocal about, you know, when you go out, the way that we have to think about this is not only that everyone else around us is, in, is infected, but we have to think that we are also infected. So if you had an infectious disease on any other day and you were going to go out into public, how would you conduct yourself? You'd probably wear a mask or a bandana or a scarf, something to cover your mouth and nose so that you're not coughing, sneezing, breathing on other people. You'd be right. very mindful of what you touched, making sure that you were cleaning your hands frequently and and correctly because the truth is that we don't know if we're infected one of the things about this novel uh virus is that people could be asymptomatic for two weeks or longer <coughs> but still be transmitting it to others right and that's that's a, a mind frame that we need to get in there just because we feel good doesn't mean that we are not in some way contributing to spreading this Yes, that's 100% true. And that's the, I think that's the scariest part of a disease like this is that we're kind of, um, I believe it was Dr. Acton uh, who mentioned in one of the Ohio uh, press briefings that we're looking today at two weeks ago of infectivity rates. Right. So whatever we're seeing right. today has already happened. We're looking at starlight right now. And so that's why people that are walking around right now in public, people that are still having get-togethers, people that are saying, oh, I feel fine, there's no reason for me to be quarantined, they could very easily be typhus Mary spreading all of the illness around to their coworkers, to the general public, and they may never be symptomatic, right? The yeah. rates of, of kind of the denominator, we call it in this disease, we don't know how many people are truly infected. And we may never know because people may never show symptoms during this, or their symptoms may be so mild that they would never associate it with coronavirus. Hey, this is Dan. Throughout the COVID epidemic, we're going to be calling attention to important issues and pointing listeners to resources that we think they should know about. As you may know, one concern we have during the state's stay-at-home order is that this will put some people at increased risk of experiencing domestic violence at a time where folks may feel contained and helpless. Turning Point is an organization that provides temporary shelter for victims and survivors of domestic violence and their children, as well as food, shelter, transportation, and advocacy, all of which is free of charge and confidential. 
Many shelters in Ohio are doing their best to keep up with the COVID crisis, but you can do your part to help Turning Point support women, children, and families in need by making a donation today at turningpoint6.org donations. That's turningpoint6.org donations. If you feel that you're in immediate danger, please call 911 or call Turning Point's 24-hour hotline at 1-800-232-6505. We'll be including this information in our show notes at wcbe.org under the podcast experience tab. Okay, now back to my conversation with Dr. Sam Nobolucci. Let's turn now to, to PPE, personal protective equipment. And I want to just note, I mean, you do not speak for Adina or the, the, the hospital or the system that you work in. You're speaking uh, as Dr. Sam Nobolucci. That's correct. But, you know, as you think about whether you have what you need or looking at the national conversations about really making sure that our, our healthcare professionals or physicians and nurses and other people who are working in these are protected. When you think about personal protective equipment and the kind of moment that we're in, there's a national conversation about whether we have what we need and um, we're doing everything we can on the state level and pushing the federal government to do more, pushing large corporations to convert their um, infrastructure into producing things like ventilators. How do you process this as a, uh, a physician who's been at this for a couple of years now? but you were also an EMT before that. I mean, did you assume in medical school, for example, that, you know, physicians had what they needed in these situations? Or are you learning some new lessons right now as you process this part of things? Yes, certainly. Um, So I think the biggest kind of shock in all of this to most people in the healthcare field is the lack of resources. Um, And there's many, many reasons why that is when we talk about the supply chain and um, import, export, getting things from China who maybe that maybe haven't been able to be exported to us um, and the ability of our own industries to manufacture these products. I mean, we're learning that lesson in a big way, right? It's not just about the spread of an illness, but also like supply chains and logistics getting cut off from the very things we need to get the equipment that we need to help people who are sick. Yes, 100%. And I think that having been a medical student, if someone would have um, told me about a global pandemic and, and what would we be facing, that would be the biggest shock to me is that if you said, okay, so all these things are going to happen, these people are going to be sick, you're going to have these number of deaths. Um, and oh, by the way, you may not have the personal protection that you need because our supply chain will have been disrupted. Um, yeah. That would probably have been the biggest shock as a medical student. Now, coming at it from a resident with a focus in disaster medicine, one of the things that I've tried to kind of lend to our uh, planning stage is that we need to get out of this mindset from our comfort zone of what we remember about the American healthcare system. We can't think that we have this unending supply of resources that are just going to continue to fill in as our supply cabinets run low. We need to imagine that this really is a disaster medicine type situation that we're in a place where resources and personnel are limited and we're going to have to kind of adapt to situations on the ground. Right now, a lot of people talk about this, you know, oh, well, you know, we might peak uh, in (coughs) April or May. But the truth is is that we have some states, um, we've seen some developments in Alabama and Florida, 
Texas, other states that are not taking this as seriously as Ohio is. And that's going to ensure that this, you know, I mean, the epidemiologists are worried. That's going to ensure that this is not just going to be a peaking and then getting past it thing, but this could be a rolling thing that lasts for a long time if we have states that aren't actually taking aggressive action. So that kind of planning is really essential. Yes, I agree completely. And I got to say, having lived in Ohio, I have been very happy with Governor DeWine's response and just how quickly he kind of identified other states having issues and started putting these measures into place to protect us early. Yeah. Um, so just like you were saying, it's definitely something living in a state that was an early adopter, looking at other states that are still kind of the wait and see uh, group mm-hmm. to see what's going to happen and be more um, reactive than proactive. That's one of the things that kind of sends a tingle up my spine as a physician. I'll also add, you know, Governor DeWine also surrounded himself with really good people who care a lot about science, who know how to look at, uh, you know, charts and understand <laughs> exponential growth and who have taken that part of things really seriously. So I think that's a, a real feather in his cap that he built the right team also, and he's not playing physician. Um, he's not playing uh, epidemiologist on TV. He's deferring to the experts. Yes, 100%. So I guess I just want to ask you also, um, we have quite a few medical students who do listen to this. And what would you want to tell Sam Nobolucci of three years ago? or four years ago in your third year, let's say, of medical school, hey, pay attention to this, or hey, think about that. Like, If you could do that, if you could go back, um, is there anything that medical students today might want to pay a little bit more attention to in this moment? Yeah. Under our current circumstances, um, I would say certainly to our fourth years uh, who are going to be going, uh, or our previous fourth years, I should say, uh, who will be graduating here in the next month and then going to their internships all over the United States. Can you uh, imagine starting residency at this very moment? I cannot. No. I thought about that the other day and thought, man, if I was starting as an intern right now, like what would be going through my mind? Yeah. And, and I do yeah. not envy them their position at all. Um, But with that said, we have a very strong group of healthcare workers in this country. Um, We're all here to support one another. And these medical students that are soon to become doctors, they're not going to be just thrown in um, without any training without any protection, you know, we're going to make sure that we're sending them in adequately prepared or giving them a limited kind of scope that we want them to function under, at least initially, until they're comfortable taking on a larger role in those systems. That's something I'm very sure about. But what I would tell them kind of going into this is, you know, take this very seriously. It doesn't matter what state you're going to, whether you're going to be in Ohio or Florida or Colorado, um, you need to be a voice for the physical distancing, for all the kind of respiratory etiquette, hand hygiene, using your primary care physicians as an initial point of contact and saving Mm -hmm. the emergency room for more of life-threatening illnesses and injuries. I would just say 
like your job is to be a mouthpiece for this now, regardless of what your clinical scope is. I would tell them to, you know, ask a lot of questions when they get into their clinical settings to make sure that they're being very vocal. Don't don't be one of those people who, when you're told something, if you don't really understand it, you just kind of nod your head and say, okay, I'll figure it out. This isn't the time to go in unprepared. This is a time to be very vocal and make sure you're understanding what your expectations of you are and making sure that you're communicating your level of understanding of those expectations so that everyone's on the same page. And then we're not going to have to play catch up later when mistakes are inevitably made because of poor communication. Right. So not a time for humility, ask questions and make sure you get what you need because the stakes are so high. That's correct. Well, Dr. Nobolucci, I really appreciate this uh, and I wish you good health. Um, I thank you for what you're doing and thank you for taking some time to talk with me as well. And please do let us know if there's anything we can do to support you better. Thank you, Dr. Skinner. I appreciate your time today. Prognosis Ohio is hosted by Dan Skinner and produced by Dan Skinner and Mark France. You can find show notes for this episode on WCBE's webpage at wcbe.org under the Podcast Experience tab. You can subscribe to Prognosis Ohio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and elsewhere. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @prognosisohio, especially for tweets and retweets we're putting out with the latest information from state public health and other officials. As always, we encourage you to email us your suggestions and your feedback, including potential guests for our show and themes, at prognosisohio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please be well, friends.